does anybody else find the concept of dummied out content in games scary? We're actually going to start with a video game based non sequitur today, which is oh. exciting. <gasps> it's exciting and innovative for our video game podcast. But am I the only one who finds it creepy? Am I the only one who doesn't know what it means? Right, I'm going to explain now. So, dummied out things, okay? Things in the game, like in the code, or like hidden off camera, or like behind levels and things, that were at some point being built to be intended to be in the game, or were used to test some things, but they're still in the game, in the game code, and people can find them and unearth them. I find something terrifying, extra spooky about playing Bloodborne, Knowing there are two bosses in there that were never intended to be seen and have probably been seen by even a small fraction of people who have played the game, let alone the world. But they're just in there being all lonely it, and weird. It it doesn't creep me out when it's like items or levels or things like that. I don't get freaked out by like Ocarina of Time's Temple of Time that's locked away somewhere in yeah. there, the, the, the light temple or whatever it was. I do get freaked out a little bit when I think about it when it's characters, when it's like new enemies, enemies especially people. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a weird one. Particularly like Bloodborne is such a good example of this where it's like, oh yeah, no, those are perfectly functional bosses that just languish in the code yeah. graveyard I think the never worst to part, be seen. I think the hitboxes are fucked. And one of them has no texture, so it's just like it looks almost <laughs> just like a a blob of bl- blood with tentacles, or like a big silly putty monster. Um, oh and they, but that's weird. It's I, weird that uh, it's in there, and I know I, why I, they're in there. It's all yeah. logical and rational. The fear is not rational, but it's weird and creepy like, to me that I, there are like enemies with T poses in the game, or like whole bosses. There's one Zelda. It might be Twilight Princess that's got a Goron. Hmm. A giant Goron made up of little yeah. Gorons, and they all yeah. z- like clump yeah. together. And if you only get it like by get like running an emulator or, or hacking in some way, or in the old days, you know, you'd use Game Sharks or whatever to access this stuff. But it functions, and it's just hiding from you. There's a Goron made of. Go- I mean, that doesn't help. A Goron made of Gorons is spooky anyway. Yeah. But it's and it's in the game code. I, That's I totally- weird. I totally get the reasoning that's like game developers are afraid to like take anything out of their games that they don't need to because then it's like a house of cards. If you take one card out, the whole thing might collapse. We'll just we'll just leave it in there. No one will see it. But but the creature will know it's there. It's trapped in the game. Oh god, yeah, yeah. There's a, a bunker in Fallout um, New Vegas that's underneath, uh, I think it was like Cotton Deep Cove or Cottonwood Cove. I forget exactly what the name is. But there's a hidden bunker and there's no way to get into it uh, unless you, you know, uh, no way within the bounds of the released game to get into it. Mm. But underneath is a unique radioactive rad roach. Just, just <laughs> down there. It's just down there. Wow. I hate, it creeps me out. And it creeps me out to think of enemies in like there, two poses or whatever. There's just a lot of, to um, be there's a lot of that kind of stuff in Bethesda games. I found, I, I remember oh, yeah. learning that, you, do you remember the, the, the Metro train in Fallout 3 in the DLC? <gasps> oh my God, I know Apparently this story. Apparently that is, is actually an NPC and the, the train is their head. Uh, yeah, and they just the run train, very fast. Yeah. <laughs> they they run very fast with their of their bodies underground and yeah. their heads. It's like a hat that they wear. It is a train. And like, I love uh, it because I've, I've been reading about dummied out content all day. Because yeah. sometimes I'll just get on one of these facets of games 
like I love urban legends about games, uh, like the the Lavender Town. Uh, that was more of a creepypasta. There was something about Lavender Town that was not just a creepypasta, but also some urban legend. Or like you know, you can get the full Triforce in Ocarina of Time, and yeah. it's, an, it's an item. I love that. But I'm also creeped out by that, and I don't really know why. I think it's just the idea that the game you're seeing has hid, like things and creatures and things just mm. hidden that will um, will never are- just will not be seen and will never be seen by most people playing it, let alone there's, the world. And I find that so weird. There's a game, and I can't remember what it was, but someone in the comments might remember. It's um. There's a game that has an NPC in a room that you can't get to, and it serves some purpose for the game. And I can't remember what the purpose is, but you can't access the NPC, but it's there for some reason. Oh, what yeah, was it? Yeah, like, sometimes they're literally there just to, like, make up digits in the back of the game code that, like, oh, if that person's not there, then the whole game explodes. Yeah. We have uh, no game. Oh, yeah, there are like, ones you can do, yeah, if you can access some content, it'll crash stuff out. Yeah, like the the one that always got me with Pokemon was um the the original Gen One games. You could basically glitch the game out into letting you catch Mew, and that's what most people use this glitch for. But depending on what you did in the steps of this glitch, you could make it so you could capture Professor Oak in a Pokeball. <laughs> you could trigger a Pokemon battle with a wild Professor Oak, and that always creeped me out. That is weird. I, I keep saying weird. I'm sorry. I keep using the same word, but I I find. All of these hidden, unintended things in games to be so fascinating, and yet I find this dark strangeness it's, to it. It's just, yeah, I I don't know what it is. There's a uh, Resident Evil Two. The liquor on the roof when you first meet one uh, was supposed to drop a decapitated head before uh, like the first thing it did, and they kind of cut that out because they were like, well, that's probably going to get censored anyway, so like cut it out or what have you. But because the game was designed for um, older resolution TVs, they just had it off camera and the head still stuck on the ceiling, which if you then play it in widescreen, you see it on the ceiling. Just a head. (laughs) Uh, I love real world versions of these as well. Like, I I find it fascinating to look at articles about people who break into, like, abandoned uh, theme parks that haven't been entered for decades and will just go around being like yeah killing all the the robots in them and then going and killing the big (laughs) opera robot in the Uh, middle of the theme park (laughs) someone someone recently sent me a link to probably the most terrifying thing i can imagine which was some people broke into um i think it's in somerset in the uk there is an abandoned mr blobby theme park that has just been left to grow wild for 20 years and it was terrifying being like, oh no, this this looks like I shouldn't be here. God, I want to see Mr. Blobby covered in og- overgrowth. Like the forest is trying to drag him back. I can show you pictures of Mr. Blobby, like things with pictures of Mr. Blobby on them covered in overgrowth, because that exists in Somerset. Yeah, just, uh, just all covered in overgrown. Nature just taking Mr. Blobby back from us. <laughs> What was this I like the today? idea that Noel Edmonds stole Mr. Blobby from a forest. <laughs> oh. oh, it's very funny to me, but the forest wants him back. Um, they've, they've come to claim him. And that's what will get us in the end. Nate, our, civilization's hubris over nature creates things like Mr. Blobby and the tweenies and Yo Gabba Gabba. 
That's where all of those things come from. You hey, think they're people hey. in suits? We steal them from the forests and jungles, kids. <laughs> no being no being negative about Yo Gabba Gabba. My chemical romance. Oh, I'm not on Yo Gabba Gabba once. <laughs> I got well. I've got a problem with Yo Gabba Gabba and that they seem to worship this giant man as a god while he plays with their lives. But that's what you could do when you steal living creatures from the forests. Please, uh, let's not. Hello and welcome to Podquisition. <laughs> hello and welcome to Podquisition. Um, all of the like the kids bop things as well. All them kids that sing—they're not actual children. They're like like green seers or something from the woods. Um, I'm Jeff Sterling. Hey. I'm joined by Laura. How are you? I'm good. I'm now just imagining the kids bops kids as actually just being like the captured and harnessed youth from like adult singers. It's like, no, we stole your youth from you. You are. Yeah. You shall be bottled into this CD. Basically, the next generation of stars are like liches and they suck the life out of the older generation of stars. Uh, which is pretty much a good metaphor for the music industry, I would say. I would say record labels, record labels. Oh yeah, millennials yeah. did kill that by not having any money. Fuck yeah. them. Fuck those poor liberal arts students who don't, who are in debt and don't have money. How dare they be in debt on my tax dollars? But yes, I'm okay. How are you, Gav? Uh, I'm not too bad. Um, it's it's both Yanni and Laurel, by the way. It is. Oh, yeah. oh that the, thing. The high part, the breathy bark goes Yanni, and the lower male voice goes Laurel. Yeah, because I hear Yanni, Yanni, Yanni. Yeah. And then, uh, like, after the second, I hear Yanni, 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 Yanni for the first pass, then Laurel, 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 Laurel. I hear them both simultaneously. So if you don't know what <laughs> we're talking about, there's a sound clip going around of some something saying either Yanni or Laurel. And when we say that, Gav's, uh, like the masked magician from the 90s has shown us the trick. Yeah. But basically, uh, people uh, hear either Yanni or Laurel, although some of us, like myself, would, would hear Yanni, yeah. Yanni, 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 and then Laurel. But yeah, so, as Gav says, it probably saying both, and we just pick them out. A, apparently, an explanation as to how it works is it's something to do with like very small, um, like very tiny fragments of language. The like we we only recognize the language fragments that we use in languages we're fluent in. So if you're hearing one of those words, it's because you grew up with only certain languages or only certain dialects, and you only hear certain sound types. And if you're hearing the other word, it's because diff a different language or a different dialect means yeah. that you and, pick up on the other sounds. And then all those of us who spend all day spending like tweaking different frequencies on voices will hear both <laughs> <laughs> and recognize why each one is doing its different part. Yeah, apparently they, they are both there, but your brain yeah. will prioritize whichever one you're like. Yeah, Langui that, languages. I think that there that's, was that's often why we hear words wrong in songs. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all to do with our brain just like it, interpolating what it thinks should be there based on the rules of language. Mm. Ah. Yeah, so like neither Yanni or Laurel's really a word, but we interpret one of them because it follows our word rules. What we know. I wonder if like Laurel and Hardy fans <laughs> <laughs> only hear Laurel and. Uh, Yanni fans only hear Yanni. Oh yeah, like if you love Yanni, mm. I know I'm always I'm I'm a big Yanni fan. I'm a mm. Yanni fanny. I like I liked his third <laughs> album the best. 
I I am I must admit I am in group can only hear Laurel cannot hear Yanni at all. The Yanni no sounds like I a try. kind of a, a high pitched near robot. It's like what? Yeah. What if what if people who hear them both uh, end up collected by the government? Oh shit! That's well, I, I'm, I'm just after of. tweeting that I hear both, so I'm fucked. Oh god, dude! It's, it's Brexit is going to come and take you away. That's the government now, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's the CIA mind control experiment. It's yeah. like, ah, you are a candidate that might be able to do things for us. <laughs> yeah. You'll get us out make of this it, Euro situation. Yeah. Make everyone like Brexit for us with your mind powers, Gavin. You can hear Yanni and Laurel. You speak two languages unlike all of us. You sort out Europe. I speak the language <laughs> of music. Oh, yeah. That will heal the world, though. Let's, let's not forget the healing power of music. Heal the world. Make you want to relax, better place put on the prodigy. For you and for me and the anti-human race. Gav, of course, <laughs> is doing a way faster-paced, uh, more of an industrial-sounding tune there. Uh, that's <laughs> oh my god, I'd love to hear Ramstein cover that song. <laughs> <laughs> Heal the world, make it a better place. <laughs> Uh, do we do we want to talk about some video games today? I mean, we can. Yeah. I'm I'm all, all right. I'm all in favour of it. Uh, before we kick off, let me just say kick off. Thirty minutes in, uh, let me just say thank you to everyone who sent so many lovely messages um, in response to mm. the 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 ending of, of last podquisition. Mm. I got so many. I was replying to them all at first, then I was unable to reply to them, and now I've got a lot of stuff to try and read. Um, the responses were really lovely. Um, you're all oh, wonderful, wonderful Prop- people, except for the one person who was like, I wonder if his condition made him give some bad reviews. And, like, no, that's not. You can actually. Yeah, Zelda you, got you a seven because of mental be depressed health. and that, and uh, still have an opinion on video games, mate. Priorities. Breath of the Wild gets a seven out of ten because it didn't cure my depression. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Worth mentioning, if you didn't get a response, there is a chance it still got read. There was just a lot of messages. Yeah, and yeah. Just couldn't I mean, it was overwhelming. And again, part of my whole yeah. thing is I can I can end up feeling a bit overwhelmed by correspondence. Yeah. Um, so I'm. Thank you but, all so much, though. Uh, it, you really are I, wonderful people. I really appreciated the outpouring of positivity and support that came all of our ways after yeah. last week. And I'm really glad that like it seemed to help some people yeah. and it was positive for them. And, and if anyone would like... Also, I, I worked out when we're listened to most. A lot of people listen on Saturday. A lot of people listen on the uh, Tuesday and Wednesday before it goes out. So ah. I, I'm just judging by the amount of mail I got per day. <laughs> um, th- those are the hot days So we need more Saturday, Tuesday and Wednesday themed content uh, So next week we will talk about the Saturdays uh, There's something for people, for our Saturday listeners to look forward to That is our Tuesday. hot mail day Yeah, and give I it can... your Wednesday Which is what I called one of the characters in Buffy the Vampire Slayer When I was making up names for them That's not relevant Sorry, I can, I can tell you about a video game I played on a Saturday if that's some of that hot Saturday content we need. That that is some sweet, saucy Saturday content. Let's hear it. So I I played some of that Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, the, the Switch port of Hyrule Warriors. Nice. So I can I, I continue to like really like Hyrule Warriors. It's like it's a great bash a bunch of things, get to play as all the characters you don't normally yeah. get to play. I need to as. unlock Xant again. Oh, it's such a hassle. Oh, we'll hell, we'll get there. <laughs> so, I have a couple of problems with this port. 
it, it it's probably the most stable performance of any version of that game, which is nice. That's nice on to hear. Handheld, mm. But the problems are, this is the third time Hyrule Warriors has been released. You still have to go through and play through all of the story content and all of the this and all of the that to unlock all of the characters. Hello, Omega Force. It, yeah, it doesn't... It, there's no option to be like, I've bought this game twice already, can I just have all the characters and play around with them, please? Um, and on top of that, the co-op support is not as good as it was on the Wii U. I saw the the um, the headline for that that you retweeted, that the co-op was uh, strange and confusing. Yeah, have, uh, do you know how it's strange and confusing? Um, I mean, I've played previous Dynasty Warriors with online capabilities, Oh, mm. and they are bizarre sometimes oh, so oh let me let, let's hear let, it. let me start this one off so on the wii u you had co-op the idea mm. was two players one plays on the tv one plays on the gamepad you got a screen each you go do your, your hyrule yeah. warriors pretty great setup pretty perfect hyrule warriors comes to the switch and i'm like okay it's probably gonna have like you know local multiplayer maybe you know, maybe not online multiplayer because it's a nintendo yeah thing, we've got, maybe we've got a switch each in this house yeah getting some hyrule warriors cards so, would be great on yeah but, but so no i had two copies of hyrule warriors in mm-hmm. and there is no way to play local co-op there is no way to have both of you play on two separate screens that's absurd yeah that's absurd you can you can do you can do single screen split screen which you can only have, like, so it's the top and bottom are cut in half, so you lose your up and down visibility. It's just like... They might as well uh, not bother. It's, it's un- just cut it. Dummy it's just, it out. It's unironically worse than the Wii U's co-op. Yeah. And we're not even to the weirdest bit of the co-op. Oh, so no. in order to activate the co-op, you don't, like, on the main menu go, oh, I want to play, play in co-op. You have to just... And the, the manual never, te- never tells you this. That it's never told to you in like on-screen prompts. Okay, so the pod- to... podquisition is now officially a Hyrule Warriors co-op tutorial because we're oh, the only yeah, source. No. <laughs> we, yeah, well, let let me teach you how to do this because yes. uh, you you have to go start an activity like a mission or something. Mm-hmm. Go to the character select screen. No further. You have to be on the character select screen. Right. Then you click in the left analog stick. What? At which point the switch brings up the connect controllers menu. You then select your controllers for both players, and player one has to pick the character that player two plays as and their weapon. Like, player two can't control that. Uh, Player two cannot change their control layout, even though player one can. And if you finish a mission and go, okay, we played that mission co-op, we want to play another co-op mission, you jump into another mission, it's completely forgotten that you were doing co-op. You have to... (laughs) Go to the character select screen and click the left stick in again to once again bring up the connect controller screen to once again have player one select the character and the weapon for player two so that player two can't pick their control scheme. Tecmo Koei? Uh. Tecmo Koei! What? <laughs> what? Why and how? And bugger off while you're at it. Oh my word. I mean... So- Saving Grace is, uh, you know, I wasn't a big co-op. Like, Dynasty Warriors co-op was good with Dynasty Warriors 3, and never, they never really was, were able to get better mm. than that. Um, so I'm not... I don't invest in oh, these games for the co-op, it's... but you're three... This is the third iteration. And the first of three iterations did it so much better. Both yeah. of you play on yeah, two separate this... screens, done. 
Uh, Nonsense. It, yeah, like I, I don't want to like downplay it too much because like I played the bulk of the Switch version, uh, the story mode through uh, with my girlfriend in split screen co-op, and we still had like an absolute blast doing it. It's it's always fun going into co-op because if you're the second player in co-op, you can just pick any old character you like, regardless of whether they're meant to be there in the plot. Right. So I just keep being like, Linkle's gonna help the villains, yay! <laughs> So, yeah, that's like always that. fun when you get to do yeah. the free modes. Like the locking in and that that is so silly. That it, is it's so weird. ridiculous. Like, I had a lot of fun replaying through that nonsensical story mode. I want to play more of that game still, but it's it seems ridiculous to me that you can't do local wireless multiplayer. Yeah, and and yeah, like playing through that that mode again to get the unlockable characters is yeah um, it's like that it's, mode is good it, but i i don't want to feel like i should have to go through all that yeah, to get them it, because some of those missions are just a pain in the ass if if there was a cheat code that would let me have like okay here's the top difficulty and all of the characters unlocked you've done this before third time we're selling the game just go do a bunch of free mode and run around at your characters that i'd be super into yeah uh, yeah Oh well, it, but it, the rest it, of it, I yeah. still, you know, it's Hyrule Warriors. It's and and I, I got to take the good Tecmo Kirby games as they come because it's, it it's seems always... like after what they did to Zhang Her that I'm not going to get a good <laughs> Dynasty Warriors again. It's it's always a, a good to have an excuse to play as either Zant or the Bug Princess. I mean, honestly, yes. Uh, obviously, the Bug Princess is a big uh, point of pride for myself because I called it somehow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Zant, I love. He's my. F- I mean, he's what one of my favorite Zelda characters. I've, I've talked about him mm. on the show before. In fact, I've probably talked about him as a playable character before as well. But him playable in Hyrule Warriors is, is so I, good. I they nailed his, his character yeah, wonderfully. I, I, I love his slightly uncanny movements where, like, it looks like they're skipping some frames and, like, he's sort of, like, jerking around slightly. Oh, it's so beautifully creepy. He's got that whole weird marionette thing going on. And I love how his whole gimmick with his attacks is you can really pound on the the attack button to, like, ramp them up and do more damage. But if you go too far, he'll get worn out and collapse because he had that sort of slapstick element in the, as a boss, in a you know, as an enemy. Yeah. So uh, I love that. Like, all of the slapstick weirdness of his character is in all of his moves. And yeah. he's really powerful, but just a little bit trickier to use than some of the others because you can just, you know, mess yourself up by going too fast with him. Mm. But, yeah, I love playing as Zan. But, I, oh, God, I'm going to have to unlock him again. I, I've I've been having a lot of fun playing through as Linkle. Um, this I don't believe this was in the Wii U version. I think it was added in the 3DS version. There's basically a few missions that are set where you play as Linkle, who is basically the female Link. It's Link's sister in some timeline, I think. But um, she runs. I think around in this with, like, one, she's just yeah. uh, like a fan. She's like a yeah, fan girl of the whole I, hero I yeah. concept. So basically, she's running around like trying to get to Hyrule Castle to save to save the day. And basically arriving too late after Link has already like yes. defeated I have the big boss that. everywhere. I've played yeah, that campaign. It's... I forget. It might be. It might have been introduced on the 3DS version. I, th- I think maybe? it was the 3DS one. Yeah, maybe. but it's for all of its. It was very silly and lighthearted. I had a lot of fun being like, "It's okay, a cute little well, thing." Yeah. It's it's all things like okay, Link ran off to go get that Triforce because he beat the the boss or whatever. There's still monsters in town, but Link just left behind, and Linkle turns up to be like, "It's okay, I'll get them. I'll save you, townspeople." And it's just a really sweet story of like 
She just wants to be a hero, and I want a Linkle game already. Honest, I, I, Linkle is such a, a fun little character. She, she is a. Uh... Uh, the look and the personality and the whole story concept, uh, is, at least as introduced in Hyrule Warriors, is uh, so charming that that she we need more of her in in the Zelda series proper. Yeah, I I don't understand why we've not yet had a Zelda game where it's just yeah you can also play yeah. as as girls. Plus crossbows in it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The crossbows. I love crossbows. Crossbows are, crossbows are awesome. She's got dual wielding crossbows. She's badass. Oh, yeah. I always get yeah. a crossbow in D and D. Oh, crossbows are pretty good in D and D. Yeah, uh, that that's my thoughts on Hyrule Warriors on the Switch. If you're just playing it single player, it runs better than other systems. But if you want to play it co-op, to play it on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the thing. Oh well, I'm looking for excuses to play the Switch lately. Like I keep turning it on and then just turning it off. I downloaded a game called Ink Explosion. So shoot 'em up. It's pretty good. Oh, nice. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's cheap and it's for the money. It's, you know, it'll sort you out. Um, I don't know when this year it's coming, but, like, I have a recommendation for a Switch game later this year people want going to want to keep their eyes on. A game called Minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. I played that when it was on PS4. If you haven't played yeah. it, it's it, very it, fun. Mm, I very much enjoyed what I played on PC, and I, I'm looking for an excuse to jump back into Minute, and I'm like... A handheld is like where I want to play that. Yeah, it's very short, but you get a new game plus, and it remixes and changes things. So, yeah, it's yeah, I uh, greatly enjoyed that. I've, I've got a impressions up of that did, when it did when we, it came to PS4. Yeah, did we talk about that at all on the podcast? Minute? I think we did. I think I think I, I mentioned it in my games of the week at one point and described how yeah. it played out and everything. It's ha having like played a good chunk of it now. I'm like, yeah, that that's a very good, very fast paced top down Zelda like. Yeah, yeah, just Zelda with a minute timeline. It's uh, yeah. and then having to do yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's that's good. I'm I'm mostly looking forward to Octopath Traveler. Uh, that's my Switch. The biggest thing I'm I'm looking at on the Switch is yeah. uh, I think it's June, unless they've pushed it uh, back. I I believe it's June. We've also got um, I'm trying to think what else is coming. Mario Mario Tennis is coming in June. Oh, um, it's been a while since I played because it's sports games are like my uh, like racing games. I don't yeah. generally go for the real shit, but I'll play the this, like Mario or Sonic yeah. spin-offs of things. So, yeah, if you're if you're curious about this Mario Tennis one, I think it's on the the first weekend of June. They're doing a free online demo for a few days uh, with like nine characters available. So if you if you're curious, if you'll find it fun, I think there's a demo at the beginning of June. Uh, yeah. Uh, I used to like that Sega Superstars Tennis. For some reason, oh. that was the one I played a, a ton of. Nintendo like, World um, Cup. Do you remember that one? I, I it like had all the little most... blocky figures that would <laughs> flicker everywhere. <laughs> I only like the most realistic of tennis games. I am all about that Wii Sports oh. Tennis. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm very much the opposite. Like you wouldn't catch me playing a football game to save my life, except something like Mario Strikers. Mm. Um, and and I, you will always see me picking the Luigi, uh, the, the Waluigi team, and delighting every time he does a crotch chop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, but, so uh, good uh, though. Actually, by the way, uh, other things we we played this week. Uh, you mentioned Bloodborne briefly oh, yeah, at the yeah. start of this. Do you want to talk Never about Bloodborne, Jim? 
I don't know if anyone's noticed that I've been playing a lot of Soulsborne games lately. Um, just a bit. Yeah. I did play a bit of the network test and then was like, you know what? After after waiting so long, I played like a, a few minutes of it and was like, actually, I can wait because they're just testing PvP stuff, which, you know, what else was I expecting? Um, yeah. But, you know, I ran about yeah. in the solo of a store cosplay for a bit, uh, <laughs> got ganked, uh, tried to fight the Black Knight up, up the stairs and then just fought the pig for a bit and was like, well, yeah, all right. I'd, I'd rather just wait and play the full thing later. Um, so, the, yeah, there's that. I'm, I know one person's been all like, shame on you, Jim. I expected better because they believe Dark Souls Remastered to be a big scam. Um, but I'm just looking forward to playing Dark Souls. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to feel the game is satisfactorily done or not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking at that, but I don't know yet. Um, but Bloodborne, I've been playing that because I... Um, Actually, I was, we, we, we mentioned H-Bomber Guy last week, and I was, I was watching uh, one of his videos about Bloodborne. Um, not entirely agreeing. Uh, I, I frequently disagree with... Uh, well, we, we talked about him a lot last week, but I love his sense of humour and his presentation, and his ideas uh, are just very interesting. Even if you weren't to agree... Like, I, I like Fallout 3, and he's got a whole video about white shit but i i'm okay watching that you know it's almost like i can like listen to criticism of things i like and be fine with it um so like i disagree on the whole idea of playing dark souls wrong or even the game not being fun if you turtle up because that's how i like playing dark souls but at the same time when you go from dark souls to bloodborne there is a sense of freeing up because there is only one way to play and they nail it so well. I say one way to play. Obviously, there's, there's only it, it's focused on being aggressive, and uh, it was fun to go from Dark Souls two, which by the end game is just oppressive with the way it, it behaves with its behaviour. Uh, but Bloodborne is just. I was surprised how well I got back into it. I was like, I'm going to be rusty and it's going to suck, but uh, it was like not that long in before I'd already gotten to. Uh, uh, some of the the end game stuff, and now I I feel like I may have rushed a bit too quick because now everything's <laughs> kicking my ass. I was like, man, this is easier than I remember it. But then uh, Kanehurst made me respect the game a bit more again, um, and then I started to jump into the old hunters way too early, and that yeah. made me doubly respect Bloodborne again. There's this weird like back and forth you can have with the Souls Borden games where like you you get a little period of feeling like yeah I'm on top of this I can do this, and then the game's just like. Nope, you can't do that. Get back in your place. Yeah. Well, Start being terrified of everything again. I've always talked about how the game is as uh, sternly encouraging in that way because it does kill you in ways that make you feel like you could nail it. Um, oh, I don't know. That that first Father Gascoigne, when I first encountered Father <laughs> Gascoigne, that was really not an encouraging experience. <laughs> I, I actually well, didn't know if yeah. I was going to make it through the game on when I got there. I'll, I'll admit there are some moments where there are holes in the, the design. Yeah. Like, it is very easy, and I know, because it this was my first experience playing Bloodborne. By the way, in, Blood in before, Father Gascoigne was easy for me, comment. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm not, not saying say you, that. but you know there's going to be oh, one right, either on people, Twitter yeah. or... Yeah. But I've told this story before of I accidentally found Father Gascoigne first. Hmm. I found the Cleric Beast third. By the time I got to the Cleric Beast, I was so disappointed. I was like, is this... Oh, well, this guy's 
he, this guy is piss. This is piss walk. But I found him third. It was Gascoigne followed by the blood-starved beast, if I remember correctly, was my first playthrough. And I found Gascoigne um, before I'd leveled up and didn't go back to the Hunter's Dream because I just kept getting more and more annoyed at Gascoigne. So I just kept going from the Lantern to Gascoigne, never leveling up. And had to beat him at, uh, I say had to, I mean, I, I ended up beating him without any leveling up or online help because it was before release, so I was just stuck. Um, oh. Yeah, he's a fucking oh, hard bastard. That it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, doing it at that and thinking he was the first boss mind. I was like, oh, oh no, but like, God, is he the, is is this only getting worse from here? Even when you um like I encountered him after Cleric Beast and all that and he still kicked my seven shades of shit out of me for like two oh, hours. Yeah, he still yeah, he still puts up a fight now, like mm. even though I'm more used to him and mm. you know, I get the, the music you know, box MacGuffin and everything, like he's still he puts up a fight. I think a lot of what happened there though was I was trying to play it like Dark Souls. Yeah, and you yeah. can't beat him by playing it like Dark Souls, really. Not you have really, to get, no. it, get in his face. And once I started doing that, I realized it's actually not that bad. Yeah, I think if you, so long as you snap into that flow of aggression. Yeah. Um, and, and, but still tempering it with knowing when to pull back. Because yeah. just mashing it like Dynasty Warriors isn't going to help you. No. Um, you still got to be clever and, and careful. But that mixture of care and. Uh, aggression can lead to uh, some some elegant feeling moments in the combat, which Dark Souls doesn't have. Mm. By design, it is clunkier by design, uh, so it's a lot more methodical and slow paced. But they make it work. But Bloodborne is yeah, it's a different beast to uh, you know use a pertinent phrase, mm. uh, and and it, it, I think it, it replaying it now. This will be the third time I've gone through it. I just started a new character from scratch this time rather than doing NG+. I wanted to try a different build than that. But uh, it might have replaced Silent Hill 2 as my favourite game. Uh, that might make some people's eyes roll who are sick of hearing me bang on about Bloodborne, but it might have replaced Silent Hill I think game. I think Bloodborne is a lot of people's favourite game. I don't think that's a I mean, crazy... It's, so, uh, it's, it it's is a such a good experience. Yeah. It's, it's so... Yeah. And to me, it... it it deserves to topple Silent Hill 2, or potentially, because it's... Bloodborne is still a survival horror to me, which is still mm. my favourite genre of, of game, um, beyond hack and slashy stuff. But, yeah, it, to me, I made a, a video about why I consider it a survival horror as much as, you know, an action RPG or however you want to define Dark Souls, because it does have many of the same elements to me, albeit very aggressively so. Mm. Like, but, yeah, we, been we, replaying we... it, loving it. There's been, like, I feel like so many games this gen that are, like, all-time classics. And, I, I like, between Bloodborne, Witcher 3, and God of War now, and I know a lot of people would feel the same about Zelda as well. I, I personally don't, but I know most people do. And we've just been really lucky with great shit in the last we, few years. We've, we've really, I think, reached a point where good... Like a basic level of good game design is pretty universally understood now. Like we've gotten to enough of a point where people who were game developers have gotten into teaching game development. We've got we we're starting to evolve as an art form. I think to a point where we are just getting more more well, good games in some places. Of, in of some the places, industry. cough cough loot boxes, EA, etc. But <laughs> I think 
I think on the whole, developers understand better how to make better games than they did before. I mean, yeah, I think that's true of of most, uh, really, any medium, really. Yeah. As, as you say, the the former masters become teachers and pass down what they've learned, and the tools become more accessible and and cheaper as you know as time goes on. So it stands to reason that there's a, a more of a baseline, which of course just makes the the bad shit even more shocking when you find it, because mm. now it really is. How did you fuck this up? Um, you know, Steam isn't really remarkable anymore with the amount of bad games on there, but when I see things like Dragooned on uh, PS4, which came out not too long ago, uh, the the spiritual successor to Skylight Free Range 2 Gashduin, um, and somehow they went from trying to make a really bad... made It looks like it's made out of, like, plasticine characters in an attempted uh, Mass Effect-style game. It didn't work. They went from a just a side-scrolling action platform, and they somehow made it worse than the ambitious project. So that's that's remarkable. Yeah. Um, I don't know how these games that bad are still happening. <laughs> like knows? Spear of Destiny is another one. Like how is a game that broken? How how does it happen? It's only from people who just aren't designing the games. They they're just plonking shit and stitching it together like horrible Doctor Frankenstein's. Yeah. I can I can talk about a game I played this week that was not terribly put together. Certainly. Yeah, uh, I, play, I played a game this week called Forgotten Anne, which is like completely caught me off guard. Fantastic, uh, fantastic little game. It's mechanically like a sort of side-scrolling puzzle platformer type thing. Yeah. But that is not what makes it interesting. Um, is is Anne like a name or the a- word? Anne Anne is a person. Right, so forgotten. Okay, Anne. okay. So, uh, you you are playing as Anne, who is some one of only two humans in this world that basically is where any inanimate object that we lose in our world ends up becoming an inanimate object in this other world. Right. Anne does not I, know. Let me just yeah. quickly say I, the reason I asked for forgotten Anne, even though yeah. people might be thinking that it's pretty obvious, is because in an industry where dream drop distance can be a name, <laughs> Forgotten Anne isn't that weird if it was yeah, just no. Anne, so I, I, I'd want to I, I get track. you. But yeah, so it's this world where like all of the inanimate objects that are lost and forgotten end up, and they all become sentient creatures in this other world. And it is a very interesting game about interacting with this other world. Very well-personified characters. Most of the characters are living inanimate objects that carry on some of the personality of the type of item they are and the type of person who owns them. It just tells a very sweet story about loss and memory and the sort of bittersweet nature of remembering something you've not thought about in a while. Oh, well. Um, And mechanically, I... (laughs) Here's here's the thing. I'm going to ask. Uh, I might talk about this game again next week and give a bit more a, a bit more detail. Okay. This is one of those games where the game does something interesting mechanically that I think yeah, your experience is slightly lessened by knowing. If you like narrative heavy games, trust me on on this judgment. This is a really good narrative game. I don't want to spoil the thing that makes it interesting, but. Uh, actually, if you don't if you don't want to know the thing, maybe skip ahead thirty seconds. It's not a huge deal, but uh, this game is very good at hiding in plain sight 
moral choices that you didn't know were moral choices you were making, and unlike Spec Ops The Line, it doesn't force you to make a bad moral choice at some point just to give you something to feel guilty about. All of the, the things it might make you feel guilty about are actually things that are choices and are very cleverly disguised. Oh, okay. So... I it, like that. That's what we need to see with these yeah. moral choices. It's not like fucking infamous with it. Well, I could give the people the food, or I could just kick a puppy to death. Yeah. So, uh, it's, screw it. It's not that big of a thing. Most of the times that it does this are hidden well enough that um, you're not going to see them coming anyway. But, like, the very first example in the game, you wake up after an explosion, and there is a scarf with glasses on in your house. And... The game tells you you have the ability to drain the life essence from these inanimate creatures. So I did, because when a game tells you you have a thing and there's a thing in front of you, you do the thing. Without realising, oh, that that was a moral choice. Didn't have to kill that thing. Oops. Uh... It, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting game that I very highly recommend. Alright, well. Yeah. Um, I've got to play... I've not played it yet, but I've got to download Fox and Forests when we're done here, because it's, uh, I think it's out now, or certainly the reviews are hitting, and I've got a code, and I I was a supporter of that when it was uh, trying to get attention on Green Knight and Kickstarter and all that, and I played the, the prototype, uh, the demo, back in the back in the day, and it was very promising, so I'm, I'm hoping it'll be good, and I'll have a gym impressions of that up uh, probably this week. I don't remember anything about that. What game is this? It's a side-scrolling, um, you know, it looks a bit like a Mega Drive game. Fox and Forests. You know, the, the, the bipedal oh, fox running yes, around basically one, in yes. a forest. Yeah, it looked... Uh, what I played of it was fun. It had a nice throwback vibe to it. and I like seeing uh, games that look more like 16-bit throwbacks than all of the 8-bit throwbacks we have. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a bit more goes into them, and I, I was more... Those games spoke to me a lot more back in the day, so I got more nostalgia for them than something that looks like an NES game. That, I, I understand that. I feel bad. the same, actually. Yeah, Mario, I think Mario, it's true Mario of a lot of Mario World and Link to the Past now would give yeah. me much more nostalgia than like Mario Brothers. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like we we reached a certain point with pixel art around the 16-bit era where it's like, ah, we can do enough detail that we can have memorable designs, but not so much that we're 3D models yet. Yeah, I think that's why you see even modern, like like not just indie games, but you see some other companies emulating that, even if they use artwork that's high res and and even hand drawn. There's still at nods to that old art style, and it's why mm. you know 3DS games and and why games like Stardew Valley still work, oh, although that's yeah. a bit different. It's 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 not really emulating that style, but it's mm. it's it's of that make, and it doesn't go out of fashion. It's one of those evergreen things. I I used to play a, a whole bunch of DS RPGs, uh, mm. and and I always thought like this is new stuff, like Sega bringing them out and stuff like that. But it doesn't go out of fashion. It's I, always worked. I miss the era of stuff like Golden Sun. Mm. That was such a good RPG. I'm uh. looking forward to, even though it'll be like the 50th time I've bought one of these games, um, Sega bringing out yet another compilation of old <laughs> Genesis stuff. Because they know what used to make them successful, even though they can't work out how to do it now. Um, <laughs> God, that... Gold, uh, Golden Axe Beast Rider was dreadful. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah they're, yeah, they're doing another compilation. That's out soon. Uh, 
that you mentioned Stardew Valley. There was a piece of news from a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if I brought up on the show, but it's a thing that's been killing me about Stardew Valley. So they recently on Steam put up like the 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 beta for the uh, multiplayer update, which is like, right. okay, I'm very into that. I will not be downloading this multiplayer update because naughty, naughty Stardew Valley. The the update makes it so you can't be polyamorous anymore. Oh, why? I don't know why. I'm waiting for someone to patch it back to how it was. But apparently, if you are dating just all of the people in Stardew Valley, that was previously fine. It didn't cause you any big problems. And now if you update to the multiplayer beta, at some point, one of, like the, some of the many people you are dating will drag you to a venue and, and have an intervention. And then whenever you see them again, they'll shout nasty words at you. I, I, I do not look to video games for reality. Give me polyamory in, in Stardew Valley. That's a shame. It is a shame. The only reason to play Stardew Valley is to nob who you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the you, only reason anyone you, ever bought yeah, it. You you knob everyone. It's great. Oh, I was unaware that Stardew Valley had knobbing in it. Uh, I thought it was can, like you, this you, innocent little kitty game. You can. It might just be what I infer. There might not be subtext there. The, the but implication. I might be adding subtext. I I definitely view what is happening as like ah, they're knobbing. I, I reduce all com uh, all complex relationships down to basic knobbing to deal with the world. That's <laughs> I think that's what's happened is the con the concept of relationships came up and I had to reduce it to uh, braying, drooling, rutting. Uh... I'm very scared now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now searching. Um... I've been bitten by ants. Did I haven't talked about that on the podcast? I've talked about it on a video <laughs> that I'm putting up today. I've talked about it on Twitter. I've talked about it here as well. I've been bitten by ants. Oh my god! I how, hate the. How did you get bitten by the ants? I hate the Byron venue. I hate the Byron venue. Um, the Byron venue is the one that got flooded and that I fell over and bashed my uh, leg uh, doing a, a stardust thing at a show and. Uh, Ended up injuring my leg for like like a shin bone for like a month. It like you press it in the wrong way and it would send pain shooting up me. And that stuff's to be expected, but no, flooding. Uh, but uh, this time there was ants. There was ants in there. Like we 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 don't. It's not our venue. I probably shouldn't be having to go so much, but so many ants. So many of them, bitey ones that I rolled into because there was some stuff like outside ring stuff I had to to do. So I'm I'm rolling on a floor of ants and I didn't know and no one knew until I got up and started feeling things bite. Uh and then Justin had to brush all ants off me and then uh I got I got bitten on the nose. So I've got just a big red ant bite on my nose. And some poison was sprayed around the ring, some ant poison. And while I'm doing the work on the floor, I don't realise I'm putting my hands in ant poison. So when I go to rub me eye, I get ant poison in me eye. That venue is cursed. And the curse is specifically against me. And that's my story. And they're going to do Life is Strange Season 2 based on it. I'm done now. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. 
It's definitely Laurel, but with, like Yanni is like the higher. Is that point. what you're doing? <laughs> well, you were talking I'm about. I'm telling like, my harrowing ant story, pixely. and you're <laughs> you're listening to Yanni and Laurel again. No, I, I was uh, watching the Rage uh, gameplay trailer. That that gets yeah, that's, po- that's that gets points out. for me for having Andrew W K party till you puke. Party till you puke. The gameplay trailer looks kind of colourful and bombastic. Yeah. It looks like it's got more bombast to it than uh, one. One thing I noticed in the gameplay trailer that was very encouraging was how quickly the strafe is, uh, how quick the strafe is rather, and 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 it seems they've taken a few lessons from Doom in that regard with like double jumps and fast movement and stuff. So. Yeah, it looks like they're going for a more because the first one was a bit more methodical and yeah. just a bit drab and dreary in terms of gameplay even uh, that's just something a bit hmm, I, what's the word just just mundane I guess it was very very pedestrian but it was a good enough game it was just not spectacular mm. and uh, this one does look like they've they've realised that Doom was really successful so like fuck it let's just jump keep riding that pony mm. uh, because people want that they just want a, a nice single player just me versus enemies jibbing them up sort of thing um, I think that's very relevant on. right now yeah so I'm hopeful and like I liked the first rage well enough yeah. that yeah. I'm hoping for good the, here and the I, thing the thing that is filling me with some hope is that it's being partially developed by the people that did the uh, Mad Max game which was not a great game but Mad Max as an aesthetic is a thing that I think works really well with Rage. That like I like that it's leaning into yeah. have some fun I'm... in the dystopia. I said I did a video on the trailer and I said that that in a post Fury Road, and I'm surprised more games didn't jump on this yeah. at the time. Yeah. But in a post Fury Road world, people want to see some nice over the top post, not just like depressing, yeah. dark post apocalypse stuff. Like they want to see this. Apocalypses can, can be like weirdly stylish and they can be the oddly and, grand, yeah, and colorful, even yeah. you know, you like, like Fury Rage is so colorful, <laughs> yeah. So it's a good, good color scheme, I, at least in promotional yeah. material. I'd like to have, see it in the game a bit more. If they actually have Andrew WK music in the game, I'm, I'm fucking sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the best part of the first Rage was the, the tacky game show, it like a running man style oh, yeah. thing that they had, and that that was more of. of what Rage could have been mm. and what hopefully Rage 2 will be, judging mm. from what just the little we've seen. We've only seen scant, we've scant knowledge. I, very um, scanty. I liked that Mad Max game. I thought there was far too much filler mm. stuff right. in it, but it, yeah, it, it, it had some good mm. ideas. It definitely had some good stuff going on. It wasn't like a great, uh, an amazing game. It could have been it, trimmed down. It oddly enough was but. one of those games for me that got far more fun the further you got into it because once you leveled yeah. up your car, the game became really fun then. I'm yeah. convinced I'm convinced when I bought my copy someone switched out the discs for a joke because I apparently played a completely different game to the rest of the world. <laughs> I found it so dull and I hated every moment of it. Uh, and I just went so interminably boring and repetitive and oh my god why does there have to be an animation for this every single time? Uh, and, and I could not bear it. Um, um, which, again, is why I, I, I'm looking forward to Rage 2 more because well, the Mad Max game did not fill for me the yeah. the hunger for that style of... for a Fury Road-style game. I, I do want to add one other thing onto this that's like a supplemental bit of news kind of tied into Rage 2. 
So, Rage 2 got announced on, like, Monday of this past week, and it was being teased for, like, three or four days beforehand. But a couple of days before that, Walmart Canada put up a bunch of listings for games, many of which people, like, were not expecting to happen. It seemed speculative in nature, but you don't, like, guess that Rage 2, uh, Rage 2 is going to happen eight years later. That's not a wild guess. And a bunch yeah. of people were basically like, is this a list of E3 games that Walmart have been told about and they're prepping their pre-order pages for and accidentally put I, them up early? I have to say, I hope that... Uh, this was my one down thing in downside of Rage. I hope that this being a game they're showing doesn't mean that all the rumours that we were going to see Starfield isn't actually going to happen now. That that would be disappointing uh, for me. I I, I want to see, see a new. Starfield. I want to see a new Bethesda Game Studios. Who, uh, yeah, who thing. knows? But uh, just just for curiosity's sake, because Rage Two like got confirmed a few days after that leak, I think it's maybe worth bringing up the list of things that yes, were listed. Yeah. And these maybe these are speculative, but some of these might be like Rage Two, a real thing coming at E three. Just Cause Four. A new Splinter Cell, uh, Borderlands 3, finally showing up, uh, Gears of War 5, Forza Horizon 5, and a new Assassin's Creed this year. I mean, all of them sound very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. they, they like, all the sound least, very probable as well. The, the yeah. least reasonable thing on that list was Rage 2, and it got confirmed real. So at this yeah, point, so, yeah I, the most, the outlandish one got confirmed first, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I I'll did, say this, as an Assassin's Creed fan, I hope there isn't one this year. I hope they don't go back to the yearly cycle. Honestly, I really think the yeah. only reason we got a, a year's reprieve was because of the movie. Yeah. I think they want an Assassin's Creed event out every year. And so we're gonna go back to games now because that movie was fucking dreadful. Yeah, uh, it's bad. I believe I sat through that. A uh, couple of other quick bits of news. Uh, I know you did your uh, Jimquisition on it this week, but we didn't bring it up on Podquisition last week just because we were running no, we low didn't. on time. Nintendo's online. Not great, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, I think the fact they can't. That twenty bucks a year is the biggest thing going for it, and the fact they struggle and scrabble to justify that, the fact that they have to withhold the cloud saves to justify that, mm, it's it's his that's a shit service. Yeah, a little bit. Like if if they had been like, hey, we're gonna put like regular save backups to micro SD at the same time, but if you want cloud backups, you know, you get it with this. I mean, yeah, that's what the consoles yeah. did, and then also be the like, hey, like. The biggest problem is that they're like virtual console Netflix, whatever it is for NES games. I think there's like two big problems with it. It it needed to either have more games at launch or more clarity about how regularly how many games are going to be added. Yeah. They they need to yeah. give some hope for the future that it's not Their just going to be console releases was shit. Yeah, it needs to, like if there was some hope that like it starts with ten NES games, but they're just going to keep adding, and then it's going to be Super Nintendo, then N64, and they're going to add on a regular basis, and you'll have a huge library. I mean, that's it. Just that... NES games, the ones that you were selling in a little plastic box not that long ago. Yeah. I could the buy... same ones that are way more. Expensive than they ought to be. Yeah, you I, shouldn't be spending more than ten cents on ice climbers. I could buy DS games on my on my Wii U. I could buy Game Boy Advance games on it. Like, don't make me go back to the Wii U. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. Nonsense clown shoes foolishness. 
They have got such a vast library of games. They could blow Xbox's Game Pass out of the water if they wanted to. But because Nintendo's got a Nintendo, they have to do everything in the most roundabout, caveat-laden way possible. Because Nintendo's got a Nintendo. They can't uh, help themselves. Uh, it's, it's horrid. It is a mess. Um, a couple of other very quick bits. Diddle-loo. Hey, Laura from the future here for a second. Um, at the time that we recorded the next story, this this next story was a rumour. It's now being confirmed. So the next story is about uh, Microsoft developing an Xbox One controller for people with disabilities. That's now being confirmed as a real thing. Um, at the time of recording, we didn't know quite how it was going to work. What's now being confirmed is that, yes, it's being developed by Special Effect, who are a charity who make accessible gaming controllers for people with disabilities. It's being made on, like, a mass production scale, and you will be able to plug additional controllers into it so that whatever accessibility controller you need can be placed wherever you need it. So, at the time of recording, it was a bit of an unknown. It was a question mark sort of story. It has been firmed up a bit now, but... I just wanted to put this in there because it's a really cool story that got confirmed like in the 12 hours between recording and editing. So I'll get back in a second to the actual chat and you'll hear us talking about it when it was speculative, but there's a bit of context for you. Diddle-loo. A leaked image seems to suggest that um, one of the things that Microsoft might be planning for E3 this year is releasing a disability accessible controller for the Xbox One, which would be a pretty huge step because none of the official console manufacturers have disability no, accessibility related no. controllers as like official peripherals. It's one of those things you don't think about if you've got the the benefit of not having yeah. to and then when when it's pointed out you're like, "Oh, fuck, yes." So, yeah, there, there was a lot of mockery of the design when the image was going around on Twitter. It basically looks like a little rectangle with two huge circles on it which are uh basically You've got a big A button and a big B button. Uh, the controller is flat entirely, so you don't have to hold it while playing. You can rest it on like a lap tray or a table right. or something. And then the top of it appears to have... It, it, arguments are uh, arguing back and forth over whether it is programmable switches that you can like hit a certain point and it'll act as a button, or ports that you can plug in additional controller ports if you, hmm. you want to get stuff in. But either way, it definitely looks like they are gearing up to be the home console that you can use an accessible controller on without needing to, like, custom-make one. I mean, both in terms of of the cynical and non-cynical reasons to do it, that's... it's, it's yeah. a wise all over. And, you know, maybe the controller ends up looking goofy, but I'm pretty sure that function over form is way more important for, you know, a, a, an accessible controller. Yeah. You want to make sure that it can be played with by as many people as possible. And so, yeah, it probably honest, is a big rectangle with big yeah, things on it. The, the more I've been thinking about this example, the more I'm like, honestly, this could be a really smart move for Microsoft in that if they can position themselves as, hey, we're the console that gets the multi-platform games and has a controller that's easier for you to use, that could... that could If there are people who want to play multi-platform stuff, that could send them that way. I mean, yeah, like it's it it certainly doesn't hurt to do it, yeah. Because it it will sell. I imagine it will sell. So it's it's making it'll it'll probably make money. Yeah, being so, the first official like that that's 
It's a strong move, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it'll turn the whole thing around for Xbox because there's a a litany of problems I need to get to with that system. I still think it's a bit toss. But uh, (laughs) stuff like that certainly doesn't help and could only help. It Uh, it certainly doesn't hurt and could only help, rather. Yeah. The the idea of an accessible controller for a home console that is mass-produced is a very nice idea to hear. So I just wanted to to end us with that this week. It's just a nice little bit of feel-good news. That's nice, yeah. Yeah, it's good to... Good to end on a, a, a sweet note. Yeah, so thank you for listening, I guess. I think we, we, we've gotten through everything. Uh, I know Gavin didn't really play much this week, so no. well, that's why been, we didn't feature anything there. I'm too busy working, doing my, my, we go. doing my Kratos song. Fuck, I know how that goes. I feel, I feel like I've had the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> I tell you what, they don't lie when they say taking them chops to the chest aren't fun. Uh, and apparently I received a light one. Uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll we'll end now. I'll probably go play Fox and Forest. Or oh, I got Dragon Car- uh, Dragon Crown Pro as well out because that came out. Yes. I I decided to get the 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 the, the steel book because it it's not <laughs> an empty steel book that's empty. It's got a disc in it. Fancy <gasps> that video games. Um, I I haven't played that in ages. I played it on the PS Vita a lot. So I got the PS4 one. I'm just gonna get back into that. I love the elf design in that. Very similar mm. to Linkle actually. Very much, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Also the... Big tits on the sorceress! They're so big! <laughs> what was anyway, that, Jim? I didn't quite hear you. I have no idea. I blacked out for a moment. I don't know. I must have, must have entered a fugue state there. Um, I think I'm going to do that on the Jim Impressions as well. Uh, just to really upset everyone. I have to hear that twice. Uh, thank you all for listening. Laura, how can people find out more of your great stuff? Uh, me? You can find me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. You can also find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. Keep an eye out on the site next week because I'll have... Uh, thoughts written thoughts on two pretty pretty big sort of games that aren't out yet so that's a thing other than that you can find me on queer and pleasant strangers where me and jane magnet do silly voices and skits or you can find me on seasons three and four of dice funk which is a DD fifth edition real play podcast um you you want you won't be listen listening to this it's, it's a good show and there's gonna be some cool news for it in a couple of months so uh you should go listen to to dice funk very exciting. I know what that news is. That's fun. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it's very fun and news, isn't yes. it? Oh, indeed. And Gavin, you say you're working on your creator song. When it's ready, where can they hear it? And what else can they do with your lovely music in the meantime? Well, if you're a Patreon patron, you can hear it right now in an early <gasps> version. Um, otherwise, you can find me on YouTube, Miracle of Sound. You can find me on Twitter, at Miracle of Sound. And... I already mentioned Patreon, didn't I? Support my Patreon, because I'm fucking awesome. (laughs) Uh, Okay, and that'll do us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, Thank you for sharing uh, the content around. That always helps. Uh, And and special thanks for the lovely reaction to to last week. Uh, It was really Um, nice. Very kind, supportive, and uh, a lot of other people have said that they went and got themselves or are planning to get themselves uh, Mm. doctor's appointments and they're going to open up more and and they're coming to terms with stuff. Just hearing us and sort of recognising similar things that they've dealt with. So if we've helped some people out, like even just a few, that is all worth, Mm. you know, saying everything that was said. So 
very pleased with that, very happy with that. And thank you again so much for the, the support and the love. It's It's been wonderful. And we will see you next week, whether you like it or not. So bye. 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 <laughs>